Election Day, November 6th, Colorado. This could be one of the most divisive days in the state's recent history. Now, that probably doesn't mean much to most people, considering the American political climate the last couple years, but this one felt different. This is the story of 112. No, not that 112. I'm, I'm talking about Colorado Proposition 112, though not as sexy and arguably much more controversial. The issues of health and environment taking form in the effects of potentially lowered birth weights, cancer risks, or contaminated drinking water have come face to face with the possibility of thousands of jobs being lost overnight and detrimental losses into the billions of dollars to Colorado's economy. And it all happens within 2,500 feet. Welcome to Fracking in America. This is the Eyes on Conservation podcast, episode 166. I'm Gregory Haddock. Hydraulic fracturing, or fracking as it is more commonly known, is a drilling technique used for extracting oil or natural gas from deep beneath the ground. In its most simplistic explanation, it is a type of well, albeit a very deep one. The process starts with a hole drilled a mile or more below the surface of the earth, creating a narrow mine shaft several hundred meters deep. Because the shaft is so long, it is reinforced along the way with steel and cement to add strength and seal off the channel from surrounding areas. Once the well reaches a reserve of oil or natural gas, the shaft turns sharply and begins moving horizontally instead of vertically. This horizontal movement can continue for a mile or more beyond the vertical shaft. Next, fracking fluid, called slick water, is pumped down the shaft, creating extremely high pressure. As the pressure builds, the surrounding rock fractures, creating fissures or cracks that allow the oil and gas to flow freely as it is pumped back to the surface. When it comes to fracking regulations on the ballot, there are likely fewer places more concerned than Weld County, Colorado, where I live. Weld County has a lot invested in the outcome because nearly 12% of its workers are somehow either directly or indirectly tied to its production. Proposition 112 made it onto the ballot because for many, the debate over how safe this process actually is and how dangerous the wastewater byproduct can be has not been adequately dealt with. So what would the legislation actually do? Proposed guidelines set by Proposition 112 would create a setback for all new oil and gas development, a minimum of 2,500 feet away from any, quote, vulnerable areas, such as homes, hospitals, schools, and highly trafficked or used areas by people. This includes public open spaces, water sources, playgrounds. Any other areas deemed vulnerable by state or local governments would be added to that list. It would not affect any new oil and gas projects on federal land, and existing projects would be exempt. However, re-entering old wells would be considered new development and would therefore be subject to the new laws. Current restrictions demand wells be 1,000 feet away from high-occupancy buildings like schools and hospitals and the like, only 500 feet away from occupied buildings like homes, and a mere 350 feet away from any outdoor area such as a playground, 
That's less distance than Rockies third baseman Nolan Aronado has to run when he smashes the ball out of Coors Field. Here's his 2-2 pitch. And hit well to left. See you later. Oh, my, did that ball leave the ballpark in It might be an understatement to say that the average inhabitant of Weld is cautious of change. In 2013, Weld County made international news when political activists, fed up with out-of-touch liberals in Denver, came together to propose the 51st state of the Union, the state of North Colorado. Not at all discouraged that one state hadn't successfully seceded from another since West Virginia did it in 1861, the campaign was put to voters when those 11 counties took the question to the polls, and voters in six of the 11 counties voted not to secede. The spark for secession in northern Colorado, and in particular Weld County, was aggravated by political pressures of how to deal and how to prepare the state for a greener future through the introduction of more environmental regulations. That was one part of it. These counties are rich agricultural hubs for cattle and grain. To boot, oil and gas production in those 11 counties already accounted for nearly 80% of the state's domestic production in 2013. And since then... The industry in Colorado has only doubled. In other words, much of the same tensions that flooded a movement to secede from Colorado six years ago have also doubled. We're talking about communities that make a massive portion of their revenue from a few specialized sources. And when those revenue streams are threatened in any way, it's seen as an attack on their livelihood. That's why when Colorado Initiative 97, also known as Proposition 112, made it onto the ballot this November, many familiar frustrations seem to come along, too. I'm against it. I think it's too restrictive. Um, I think that it could have been written better so it wasn't so restrictive and impacts so many people so drastically. Outside the polling center in Johnstown, Colorado, asking people what they think about Proposition 112. Um, I voted no on 112. My husband works in the oil field. Uh, I think it's a pretty bad idea for Colorado, just based on the amount of jobs that would be essentially dissolved if oil and gas was to be banned. Like, I know they say 2,500-foot setback from, you know, houses, but they also say from rivers and reservoirs, and I essentially think that that's a ban completely on Colorado. Very limited areas could could be fracked out east. I am going yes. Because I feel that um, it's, it's dangerous. It really is. Um, my parents live in Berthoud out in the country, and they have one of those things, I mean, really close to them. And it's just, just from the little I know, it's, it's, a, it's a dangerous thing. My husband is a uh, truck driver, <laughs> so that would affect him. But I believe it's, it's more of an effect of, of, on, on people and their health. I think it would be bad for Colorado's economy. I think it would cause... A lot of jobs to be lost, and I think it's an important sector in our economy. Proposition 112, well, if Proposition 112 uh, goes into effect, um, if it's voted a yes, then uh, the state of Colorado is going to be in dire need for tax money. So that's my opinion. Protect Colorado, the main opposition group against Proposition 112, declined to be interviewed for this story. But spokesperson Karen Crummy has said the effects would be devastating, with thousands of jobs lost and billions of dollars for the economy as well. Some opponents have even gone as far as to call the proposition a total ban on fracking. But is that true? 
exactly what would be the effects of the proposed setback on new oil and gas developments. To find out, I went straight to the source of Proposition 112 and spoke with Ann Lee Foster and her exuberant puppy, Jacoba. Hi. How are you? Good, great. Ann Lee. It's so nice to meet you. Yeah, yeah. nice to meet you too. Uh, this is Jacoba. <laughs> Jacoba. Yes. Hey. That's very nice. Hi, sweetie. Hi. Cute. Yeah. My name is Ann Lee Foster, and I'm a volunteer organizer with Colorado Rising, and I'm also one of the ballot initiative proponents. So my name and Suzanne Spiegel's name is on all the paperwork that brought the law to the state. I began by asking Ms. Foster why the ballot initiative and not another avenue like the Colorado legislature. So it was really years of community organizing, of citizens, Coloradans across the front range, trying to address this massive um, industrial oil and gas activity that was encroaching on our communities. So we have gone to the state legislature, the courts, we've gone to our city council meetings, gone to the state regulatory body, the Colorado Oil and Gas Conservation Commission, and tried to have any sort of common sense protections put in place for our communities against fracking and oil and gas activity um, and at every turn have been told that nothing can be done um, and that the industry will develop how and when they want um, without any say from our communities. Um, And so that has culminated in the citizens uh, attempting to balance the scales and take their power back uh, by using the direct democracy process of the ballot initiative. I don't think there was one instance in particular, but but like I said, years and years of people trying everything, going to the governor, um, going to the Colorado Oil and Gas Conservation Commission, and the commissioners are literally texting on their phone and not listening to any of the public testimony. We had nine out of 11 oil and gas-related bills die at the legislature this past session for really, really simple regulations and provisions to um, make oil and gas activity a little safer. And so the the culmination of all of that, of all of those efforts, um, really showed these people, us, that the only way that we were going to make any real change is to do it ourselves. And thankfully in Colorado, we have the ability to do that through the ballot initiative process. Oil and gas companies are quick to remind us how safe developments are. And every necessary precaution is being taken to ensure our safety and the health of the environment. If a ballot initiative was going to impact Colorado's economy in any fashion, there had better be a good reason. Hell, even Democratic Governor John Hickenlooper came out against 112 and has been quoted as saying, Fracking is good for the country's energy supply, our national security, our economy, and our environment. End quote. Here's audio from a town hall a couple years before 112 was drafted, when John Hickenlooper was talking about fracking in Colorado. In Colorado, where the formations are significantly deeper than the groundwater in almost every single part of the state, the chance of the actual process of fracking, pushing the the frac fluid into the the groundwater, is essentially, I mean, almost nothing. And again, it's an industrial process. I don't want to minimize the risks, right? It's got to be done properly, and, and it needs to be regulated. Uh, but it, it, fracking is not this, this terrifying thing. Now, not to say that they haven't spilled frac fluid into, they've had pond, uh, 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 you know, leach ponds that, where they ripped the, 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 the membrane and so it leaked into and got down 20, 40, 60 feet of groundwater. And that's hard to remediate. That's a problem. We should increase the ponds. We should make sure that they, that, that doesn't happen. Uh, they're doing enough 
exploration up in Weld County that they don't they don't even use pits anymore, right? They they recycle all their frac fluid. Well, if you're going to be anywhere, I mean anywhere within uh, habitations or schools or hospitals, all that we should make sure there's no escape methane, that there is no uh, no pit, that there's that, that, that we recycle everything that we do. What we call aside from being a former oil and gas geologist. Hickenlooper has also been heard telling people that of course nobody wants it in their backyard, leaving people to wonder if Hickenlooper actually believes that the process is as safe as the industry says it is. Messed up when we get benzene, but that's stuff in hydrocarbons, and that's a that's a problem. It's an oil and gas is an industrial process that none of us want in our backyard. For one, you are exposed to explosions. Um, which are obviously a negative health impact. Benzene exposure, which is a known carcinogen, has been well documented from oil and gas activity. There are several studies that show a correlation between low birth weight and living near oil and gas activity and widespread what, what could possibly go wrong, increased cancer risk, respiratory disorders, all kinds of stuff. There's been several studies that have documented um, elevated benzene in oil and gas workers' blood. The World Health Organization has said that there's no safe exposure level to benzene, so that's very concerning. Uh, and just last weekend, there was a bank uh, battery tank that exploded injuring three workers, and one of them is in a medically induced coma for the next two weeks, and they actually just started a GoFundMe to cover his medical bills because he's not fully insured by the oil and gas company. One of the most significant low birth weight studies was done by Princeton University and the University of Chicago. It looked at 1.1 million babies over 10 years. Detailed records Uh, on 1.1 million births in the state of Pennsylvania. Uh, And we just asked a simple question. Uh, for infants who are born to mothers that live very close uh, to active hydraulic fracturing uh, wells, uh, is their health uh, is their health compromised? Uh, and what we found uh, is that within one kilometer, uh, so that is about six tenths of a mile, uh, the probability of a low birth weight uh, birth, so that is a birth at, at a weight of less than 2,500 grams increases from about 6.5% uh, to 8 percentage points. And that's about a 25% increase. Uh, it's a quite substantial increase. We also found evidence that between 1 and 3 kilometers, uh, there, uh, is, there is some evidence of elevated rates of low birth weight uh, as well, although the effects uh, are smaller. Equally important uh, is that at distances larger than 3 kilometers, that is about 2 miles, Uh, we find no evidence of any impacts uh, on infant health. So the bottom line from our study is that it appears that the probability that infant health uh, is compromised goes up uh, most clearly within one kilometer and possibly all the way out uh, to three kilometers or two miles, and there's little evidence of any impact at further distances. And for those local communities, they're going to be judging whether or not the Local benefits uh, exceed the local costs. And they looked at up to three kilometers and showed negative impacts from being three kilometers away from activity as well. So you're saying that what the ballot initiative is right now would still be within that one kilometer range of right. impact. Right. So it's a fairly modest proposition um, when you're looking at uh, all of the health studies that show negative health impacts from living near oil and gas. The main cons- leak concerns are from the wellhead site, um, all like every single joint 
on, and if you've ever gone up close to one of these things, they're covered in, uh, you know, pipe joint, pipe fitting joints. Um, every one of those has a potential to leak. Um, and there's, it's been well documented, the extensive amount of leaks um, from those sites that are putting off methane, which is uh, incredibly detrimental to the climate, um, as well as benzene, ethylbenzene, and these carcinogens. Um, so there's a recent CU Boulder study. It was, a 12, it was funded by a $12 million grant from the National Science Foundation, and they found that the industry was leaking three times what they had originally thought. So it's, it's a significant problem. Um, what, what, what does leaking into a water supply do? Um, that is definitely not a good thing. Um, so fracking fluid is, or fracking wastewater is actually radioactive. So two, uh, Duke University studies that were recently published in the past month or so found that the interaction of fracking fluid with the shale layer actually makes the water radioactive. The shale layer is naturally radioactive. Um, so if that leaks, um, you're getting all of that into the water supply as well. So that's you, you, so definitely a big concern. Don't want that to happen. The EPA has documented um, groundwater contamination from fracking. 112 passing would mean the elimination of 85% of Colorado's non-federal land for new oil and gas developments. The Colorado Oil and Gas Conservation Commission, or COGCC, has said nearly half of the total land in Colorado would be unavailable for use. S&P Analytics says nearly half of all oil and gas production would end within five years. The COGCC's map has shown that about uh, 52% of the total state would be off limits to surface development, but they have not assessed what's accessible through directional drilling, um, what's ex- what's accessible, uh, what minerals are accessible from that surface. And that's really the most critical data here. To present it only talking about surface development is very misleading um, because it's th- that's they're trying to get at these underground minerals, which they can access from quite far away. Um, I do know that there are some flaws in the COGCC's GIS um, data set that they used. Uh, parts, a lot of the eastern part of the state, they just simply didn't have um, the GIS information to properly map from the identified areas that the setback is from. Um, and so there are there are some flaws in that process. But once again, the the surface area that is off limits uh, is a, is a much different perspective than what's tr- off limits from directional drilling. Wait a minute. Wait. Wait a minute. If this feels like an episode of The Simpsons, that's because it's almost exactly right. It's straight out of season seven in the episode "Who Shot Mr. Burns." A- am I totally mistaken in picturing like Burns' slanted drill company from The Simpsons? Do you, do you does that ring any bell to you? Burn, well, I know The Simpsons well. There's, there's like uh, they find out that the the elementary school is sitting on an oil reserve. In it, Springfield Elementary discovers it is sitting on a vast oil reserve, leading Mr. Burns to pose as a student to gain access to the supply. Principal Skinner, this is your secretary. There is one last student here to see you. That's on. I don't have a secretary or an intercom. But send him in. Hi there, Dean. I understand you're taking suggestions from students, eh? <laughs> well, me and my fourth form chums think it would be quite corking if you'd sign over your oil well to the local energy concern. <clears throat> Mr. Burns. But, 
It was naive of you to think I would mistake this town's most prominent 104-year-old man for one of my elementary school students. I want that oil well. I've got a monopoly to maintain. I own the electric company and the waterworks, plus the hotel on Baltic Avenue. That hotel's a dump and your monopoly is pathetic. The school's oil well is not for sale, particularly to a black-hearted scoundrel like yourself. I see. Then I'll just have to attack you. I must have that oil. Smithers, Smithers, help me subdue this beast. Sorry, sir, this is all I could find. Take that and that. Please don't waste those. When that doesn't work, Mr. Burns sets up Burns Slant Drilling Company and steals the oil from an adjacent lot indirectly above the reserve. While the Simpsons portrays it in spectacular fashion, the process is real, and it's called horizontal drilling. Now to switch on our oil pump for the very first time, here's our top student, Lisa Simpson. No pressure! Someone else has tapped this well! Ay caramba! Ah, soon that mighty apparatus will burst forth with its precious fluid. Almost sexual, isn't it, Smithers? almost exactly what happens. So they can either drill straight down or they can drill at an angle um, to reach the, the shale layer of rock and then they drill out into the shale layer um, and bust it apart to release the natural gas that's trapped inside. So and that actually, that's so interesting. That same scenario is literally happening in Weld County. So there's a 24 well pad site that has been set um, 720 feet, I believe, away from the playground of Bella Romera Academy. Um, so they that's exactly what they're doing. They've put this massive industrial site, a 24-well pad is the size of a strip mall, right next to a child's uh, elementary school playground. Um, and they And the horizontal drilling will be going underneath that school. It's kind of crazy. Still... Some statistics are showing that a place like Weld County would be 78% off limits. That's a huge deal if your family depends on that work. And this has led a lot of 112 opposition to call out the proposition as an all-out ban on oil and gas. So let's get down to brass tacks. How much land would actually be off limits? Yeah, so there's two reports that were just came out, one from the Colorado School of Mines and one from RS Energy Group um, that disproved all of the claims that 112 is a ban. Um, and what it showed was that uh, using directional drilling and lateral drilling, which is technology that the industry already has, they will be able to access significant amounts of mineral reserves from the... Uh, available surface area after 112 passes. Um, so all of the maps that they have been talking about um, in supporting the claims that 112 is a ban um, are only looking at what's available on the surface. They're not looking at what they can access using uh, lateral and horizontal drilling. And in Colorado, about 85% of the permits uh, are for horizontal wells. Um, and they consistently drill two to three miles uh, in the state of Colorado. Um, so even if they have to be set back 2,500 feet, they can still drill several miles away from that surface location and access significant amounts of, of 
uh, oil that they're trying to get. As if this issue wasn't messy enough, to make things more complicated, Colorado's ballot this year also features Amendment 74, which states that landowners can be compensated for lost access to mineral resources. The fear is if Proposition 112 and Amendment 74 were both to pass, Colorado could be tied up in a slew of lawsuits. Are you concerned about Coloradoans being pulled into lawsuits over private property rights? Uh, for one, as it stands, um, takings does not apply in this it, to to Prop 112 at all. So property rights are limited, and they are limited in the fact that you cannot infringe on the public's health and safety uh, or create a nuisance um, in with your takings claim. Um, so that's why there's never been a, a successful takings lawsuit in New York where they actually banned oil and gas. It just doesn't apply here. Um, Kevin Lynch. What is a takings? Oh, that's what the that's this idea that um, if if somebody uh, has um, devalued your property by not allowing you to develop it, um, then you can sue them for takings of your of your investment of your property. Um, And so as it stands right now, um, that does not apply to 74. Um, if 74 passes, it does make things more complicated. Um, 74 is a complete and total disaster for Colorado, and the implications are much, much further reaching um, than just uh, mineral owners. It will open the state up to billions of dollars of private lawsuits that the taxpayers will be on the hook for. And the whole point of 74 is a it is a direct response by the oil and gas industry to try and undermine one. 112. So David Sirota recently wrote an article about this, and he described 74 as um, the atomic bomb option that the oil and gas industry has taken to deal with Prop 112. So this is another example of the industry just trying to intimidate and coerce their way into getting what they want. Who actually sponsored that bill? So it has been brought forth by um, the Farm Bureau. But if you look at the financing, always follow the money, it's almost 100% sponsored by oil and gas. Anadarko and Noble Energy are the two leaders um, in the in the uh, can- campaign contributions for um, Yes on 74 campaign. And interestingly enough, actually reading Anadarko's investor call for quarter three uh, that happened yesterday morning. I was reading the transcript yesterday. Um, and one of their investors asked them about 74, if they had been in touch with the Farm Bureau about how it's doing um, and what their thought, w- thoughts were, if they thought it was a net positive for the industry. And Anadarko um acted like they had nothing to do with it and told them they didn't have an opinion on it um, and that they weren't in communication with the Farm Bureau about it, um, which is, I think, completely, like, just utterly fascinating considering they've spent uh, at least, like, 3 or $4 million trying to get it passed. The fear oil and gas workers are feeling in places like Weld County isn't about a disregard for health and the environment. It's about protecting their livelihood and supporting their families. I wanted to know why Ann Lee Foster brought Proposition 112 and not a government-funded green jobs retraining bill for renewable energy. We are seeing across Colorado, but particularly the Front Range, um, where the industry is 
absolutely decimating communities. And uh, like, for instance, right now, there are 200 wells being proposed in Commerce City in a very, very densely populated area near schools, um, near near tons and tons of homes. And so we really felt like we needed a hard stop um, on on this ever-encroaching dangerous development coming next to our communities. Um, so I think that's an, like, an, an awesome idea, and I would love to be a part of um, a bill like that. But this has really gotten to the point where we had to um, draw a hard line in the sand and say, no more, like you can't come any closer. Because um, we really are um, facing a public health crisis here on the Front Range. We have an F air quality rating um, in Weld's County, Larimer, Jefferson, Boulder County, um, and studies from NCAR and NOAA have shown that up to 55% of that comes directly from oil and gas extraction. Um, so not the burning of fossil fuels, but the leaks and emissions coming off of the extraction process. Um, we have people, uh, particularly in places like Erie, that are getting their blood tested for VOCs that are uh, associated with oil and gas development. Um, and those tests are coming back showing one-year-old and four-year-old children in the 95th, 85th percentile for, for ethylbenzene and benzene. Um, ethylbenzene is directly related to oil and gas activity. Um, so we felt like this, we needed to really draw a line in the sand that was going to protect our communities and put a hard stop on um, the further expansion of this crisis that we're seeing. According to the nonpartisan group Ballotpedia, through October 30th of 2018, Colorado Rising, the campaign leading the ballot initiative, had raised $1.4 million to support its passing. Colorado Rising's main donor was the Food and Water Watch Action Fund, which provided nearly $300,000 of that amount. The Sergi Brin Family Foundation, Jay Hormel, Patricia Olson, and Nicholas Wilder were in its top five donors. Protect Colorado, the main opposition group, as of October 30th, had raised nearly $31.1 million. Their top five donors were Anadarko Petroleum Corporation, Noble Energy Incorporated, Extraction Oil and Gas, SRC Energy, and PDC Energy. On the books... Opposition to 112, funded directly by oil and gas companies, outspent supporters for 112 by a margin of over 22 to 1. Who knows, in dark money, honestly. I think that they realized that they were getting negative press off of how much they were outspending us. And so they were like, we're just going to circumvent this to and keep it off the books because it doesn't look good for us. Because a lot of those ads have popped up. Um, since the beginning of October, which is when people really started to report on that. Um, but I do know that um, Tracy Bentley has said – it was a Tracy Bentley? Oh, Chip Reimer of Noble Energy said that we're at war and we need to crush this thing. Um, and Tracy Bentley has said that she is – concerned that if we win here that we will that will start a ripple effect in other communities will um the which i think her exact quote was these things will start popping up all over the country <laughs> god forbid the, the people stand up to corporate power so we need to crush them what about energy independence are you concerned about that about losing any any varying degree of that 
Uh, 88% of the natural gas in Colorado is exported, so it's not actually benefiting us. It's a globally controlled market. We don't influence it, and, and so much of it's exported. That's what happened in 2015. The price of oil, the price per barrel dropped so much that it made fracking in Colorado economically not feasible. And so the industry all but stopped in Colorado in 2015, um, saw major layoffs um, in oil and gas. And actually, Colorado's overall economy grew. And you didn't see a drop in employment in Weld County at all. But Foster says her goal isn't to take aim at oil and gas workers. She sees herself fighting for them, too. Um, we want clean, safe jobs and a clean, safe community for everyone. Wells County has 24,000 active wells that are polluting the air with benzene, with ethyl benzene. Um, oil and gas jobs are the seventh most dangerous in the country. Um, they, a lot of times, don't have appropriate insurance coverage if something were to happen, which is exactly what we just saw uh, at the Alt explosion this past weekend. Um, we really feel that this is imperative um, to protecting our long-term quality of life, and we're fighting for them as well. These fights in Colorado are beginning to feel all too familiar. Two municipalities in Colorado in recent years have successfully passed moratoriums or bans on fracking within city limits, Lafayette and Longmont. Both were later overturned by higher courts. The week before the election, local TV station CBS4 reported Governor Hickenlooper as saying he would make concerted efforts to delay 112, regardless of the sovereign will of voters. Fracking initiative. Governor Hickenlooper told our political specialist Sean Boyd that if it passes, he would consider calling a special session to delay its implementation. If 112 passes, this is where the battle would move. The state legislature would decide how to implement the measure. Problem is, the legislature doesn't meet until January, and 112 would take effect almost immediately, unless the governor calls lawmakers back early. You could call a special session to delay implementation of this. Will you do that? We'll certainly look at it closely and try and uh, bring the stakeholders together, the environmental community, the oil and gas industry, uh, the new governor. But the stakeholders should be the ones who have a voice in whether you call a special session. The two men vying to replace Hickenlooper both opposed the measure, but at the CBS4 debate last month, they disagreed on whether the governor should intervene. I would pursue every redress possible for that job-killing measure. What we're talking about here is the sanctity of the will of the voters. But Governor Hickenlooper says it's about how the will of the voters will be carried out. The measure requires a half-mile buffer between new oil and gas drilling and homes, schools, or any area government deems vulnerable. But vulnerable, for example, is one of the things not defined. These initiatives are often bare bones, right? They don't go on to 40 pages of what happens in this case or that case. You, you want to minimize the unintended uh, collateral damage, right? The state oil and gas conservation commission says 112 would ban fracking in most parts of the state. I mean, it's a big part of the state's economy, right? You're talking, I mean, 15 percent, some people say as much as 20 percent of the state's economy, and suddenly it goes to half. That, that is how you spell recession. If 112 passes and the governor calls a special session, there is no guarantee lawmakers would delay implementation of the measure. The Democratic majority leader in the House 
has come out in support of 112. At the Capitol. I mean, he's bought out by, he's bought and paid for by corporate interests. Like, this is why we're running this initiative, because the politicians haven't done their jobs. We haven't been represented. Uh, if, if, if any of these, if our representatives, of our politicians, and there are some that have tried, um, but overall, if our politicians had stepped up and done what they were supposed to do, um, we wouldn't have taken on the task of running a ballot initiative. Nobody is doing a ballot initiative for fun. I can promise you that. <laughs> How much fun are you having? Uh, I personally am having a little bit of fun just because it's so amusing. The whole, just all of the most the antics of the whole thing, the intimidation by the industry, all the dirty tricks. Um, but it's also been incredibly, incredibly um, wearing on on me as a person, emotionally, physically. Um, it's been very, very stressful. Um, it's I haven't taken a paycheck in uh, almost six months um, because I'm giving everything to the campaign and we don't have funds to spare. Um, we are totally grassroots, citizen-led, um, and we are actually doing this for our health. Like we are actually doing this because we see the industry as an existential threat um, because we're truly concerned about our communities about future generations about our air about our water and and it's it's been an enormous enormous undertaking the most challenging and stressful experience of my life it's also been an incredible learning opportunity growth opportunity and I'm very grateful for it, no matter the outcome. Once again, if our politicians had done what they were supposed to do and represented the communities that have voted them into office, we wouldn't be here. Um, I think it doesn't surprise me that um, politicians are aligning with corporate interests. We're seeing this all across the country. Um, we, we have uh, Ken Salazar, who's very influential in the Democratic Party in Colorado, is also Anna Darko's lead attorney. So um, a lot of influence there. Uh, I know that Jared Polis is pragmatic and he doesn't want the industry spending money against him. So it's easier to just make your political calculations instead of being a leader and stepping up and representing your communities and your constituents. One of our volunteers said, if we were any more grassroots, we'd be dirt. And I can't emphasize that enough. I mean, this has been... Um, painstaking efforts from mothers and grandmothers and teachers and nurses across Colorado um, that have had a crisis arrive on their doorstep. Um, and they have stood up and said, we're not going to take it. We will continue to fight. We'll continue to organize no matter the outcome. Um, and I think this is this is just the beginning of people stepping up and saying no more. We aren't gonna we aren't gonna allow this to happen to our communities. We we're, we are thinking about future generations. We're thinking about the planet. We're concerned with climate change, um, and we're we're not gonna let these corporations run roughshod all over us anymore. I don't think the industry would be spending the money against us and pulling the dirty tricks and intimidation tactics like stuff I'm not even going to tell you about um, that they are if they didn't think that we were a formidable opponent. Um, and I think watching how the media has shifted over the course of the campaign um, has been really telling for me. Um, in the beginning, I was like, oh, look at this thing these people are doing. Aren't they cute? These little moms and their yoke pants. Um, and now it's like 
every time they talk about us, it's like, this is the biggest thing that you're voting on this year. Um, and I think that just shows that um, we have, we're a force to be reckoned with, um, and there's power behind this movement. So I have not received any direct threats. I think that they might just be smart enough to know that I would blow that up in the press. <laughs> um, but there have been some weird things that have happened. We get, I get all, I get people that call my cell phone and say crazy things. Um, email me and say like, "Why are you trying to destroy Colorado? Like, get the hell out of here, yeah." effing libtard like they like I get called libtard like all the live long day I had some weird experiences with people that I'm pretty sure work for the industry showing up at places that just popping up consistently and it's a little unnerving but I really feel that I am in a position of privilege as a white woman as a woman that lives in the United States I don't have a family um, and so it's it's my duty to use that privilege to speak out and do something about this. It's election night, and supporters of Proposition 112 have gathered at the Zeppelin station in Denver, Colorado, to see the final results of the initiative. My name is Rachel Gilbert, and I have um, volunteered for 112, just trying to convince anybody that I knew to try to uh, use logic and reason to help them vote yes on 112. I am a registered Republican um, who worked really hard for 112. I am not the only Republican that has worked very hard on this issue um, because to us this is not a political issue this is a health and safety issue and you know everybody is affected the same way by benzene that leaks out of these wells you know you can have rich lungs poor lungs white lungs brown lungs and red lungs and blue lungs and they all get affected the same way and you still get cancer if you live close to these wells and that's the reason why it's not a partisan issue. This is not Republican Democrat. This is health and safety. And this is about people's bodies and about people's safety and about their children and their children's health. 2011, when um, my mom in Greeley, she actually came to me um, because she didn't understand a letter that she got in the mail that was telling her that she would have the ability to lease her mineral rights. Um, she didn't understand the implications of that, so she came to me and I helped her um, understand uh, what fracking was in the first place because um, she had never really heard about it and so um, I do have friends who are petroleum engineers and I have friends who work in the oil fields and um, I do understand what fracking is and the risks and implications of it in our communities. Um, I also understand that uh, living in Weld County where we have 26,000 active wells, um, living there when I was in middle school, the air quality is very different there than it is um, that it was, you know, in the early 2000s, and that is a direct result of fracking in the community. In 2011, I started um, 
trying to help my mom gather some neighbors of hers who also didn't understand the implications of being force pooled into a mineral uh, mineral rights lease that they didn't want to take part in. As such, uh, it turned into more of a campaign to get a thousand foot setback of oil and gas wells from where people were living. Um, that didn't gain much traction. We weren't able to get on the ballot. Uh, two years later, Jared Polis uh, created his own bill and sponsored his own bill that would also be a thousand foot setback. Um, that actually did gain traction, but then at the last minute, Jared Polis pulled it from the ballot in order to gain favor with the political, you know, people that be, and uh, kind of used it as a playing card to try to, <laughs> I guess, uh, gain political power. And so after being let down by Jared Polis, all of us felt very, very uh, bitter about that. What year is this? Uh, that must have been two years ago, approximately. I forget exactly when, but um, that was the last one. And then this one... Um, we started working real hard for because even though it was a more um, ambitious setback of 2,500 instead of 1,000 feet, having met Ann Lee Foster, who had her name on the bill, I knew that she had integrity and that she wasn't using this as political you know, playing cards to be played at a later date. I know that she uh, believed in this very sincerely. She had literally nothing to gain monetarily from being involved in this. And you know, whether you're red or blue or yellow or anything in between, you know, people with integrity, you want to be around those people and they cannot be bought and sold. And I knew that about Ann Lee Foster as, as soon as I met her. I don't want to say that we failed. Um, we were outspent, you know, like 40 to 50 to 1 or something like that. Some ridiculous, disgusting amount of number of, of dollars have gone into the opposition of 112. And you know what? We were not outvoted 50 to 1. We were not. Democratic Governor John Hickenlooper is against 112. Uh, Democratic Governor candidate Jared Polis, who looks like he's going to be governor-elect. Democrats also against it, and Walker Stapleton, the Republican governor, who looks like he's going to be defeated tonight, also against it. Uh, all involved parties for the governor's office against 112. As a registered Republican and somebody who's worked very hard to get 112 on the ballot and to pass it, what are your thoughts about that? There is so much for politicians to lose if they were to come out for 112. Um, and I really see that as the main obstacle that we, as the Yes for 112 crowd, we had to go against because every single person who's here, you know, politicians have everything to lose. So why on earth would they support something when the stakes are so high in terms of campaign finance? I mean, it's, it's a rational decision on their part, but it doesn't mean it's morally correct. I am, I am very pessimistic that this would pass um, as it is. Uh, I talk to a lot of people at work. They, they have been given false information that it... Uh, basically, people were told things that weren't even in the bill itself, like that it would affect unoccupied structures, which is not true, um, that it would affect uh, current oil and gas production, which is not true, um, that... 
oil and gas would not be able to access their minerals, which is not true. Basically, um, the oil and gas industry has been able to spread lies, and they have gone unchecked by even our Colorado Public Radio. It doesn't matter what what your party affiliation is. It's just if you believe in health and safety over corporate interests, and apparently our politicians don't agree. Thank you, everybody, for being here this evening. I'm State Representative Joe Salazar. It is... Wow. I love you guys. Look, I mean, look at you guys. This is what community movements are all about, right? This is what it's all about. For indigenous people, it's taken over 500 years for a lot of things. But it's not going to take that long for this effort to continue moving forward and to get past. It's not. Because at this moment, as we're watching the results come in, there are Coloradans across the state who are rising up against this industry. I want to speak of the moms of Erie Rising, who are the first people in Colorado that were telling me about this issue. Angie and April and Jen and Wendy, they were trying to keep fracking away from their children's school. They fought so hard. They gave it everything they had. They did incredible organizing. And in the end, they fracked their children's school. Why? Because the COGCC does not deny permits. Not ever. And that's why this movement is so needed, and that's why all of your hard work is so needed right now. We've been ignored, threatened, intimidated, harassed every step of the way, and we're sick of it. We worked with three different other petition gathering firms that we were paying to gather signatures for us, and every one of them fucked us over. They were bought out, they sold us out, they skipped town. And Eddie's team stood strong, they stood by us, and they continued to fight the fight, even though the industry, our opposition, was paying people to harass us while we were gathering signatures. How's that for democracy? We would have people out on the street, and within 20 minutes, there would be two, four, six, ten people surrounding somebody gathering signatures. And we're talking old ladies on walkers, your grandmother out there on the street gathering signatures, and there would be 12 people surrounding an old lady. That, that's the kind of industry that we're dealing with here. Polis better buckle up, because we're gonna hold them accountable. Dick and Looper, we're gonna follow you to your presidential run. Yes! organization a year ago, Colorado Rising, I feel like it was just kind of because it sounded good, but I think we have proved to everybody, including the industry, because they didn't spend $38 million because they weren't scared, we proved to everybody that we are Colorado Rising, and we are going to continue to rise, and until the industry is not in our backyards, we're not going away. And, and uh, fortunately, we know that eventually the industry is going away. The financials for this industry are diabolical. If you haven't looked lately, it's pretty incredible. They are in aggregate 200 billion, with a B, dollars in debt right now. 
They have a, 33 of the hundreds of companies had a positive profit margin in the first part of this year. This industry, there are over a hundred fracking companies that have gone bankrupt in the last three years alone. And they're leaving these toxic industrial waste sites for our communities to have to clean up. So we know eventually they are going away and we can have solace in that no matter how this uh, result turns out tonight. So thank you all again so very much. For we are the people of Colorado and we know the truth. And nobody can make us forget that truth because once it's in you, it's in you. Once you know the impact that this industry has on your children, once you know the impact this industry has on the planet, you will never forget it. It's in me and I know it's in so many of you and I promise you, God, I wish it wasn't true because it's not easy, but I promise you I will keep standing with you. Asking you to please not give up no matter what happens here tonight. Because as you know, we have to do this. There is no other option at this point. We have to do this. If we want a future in this state and on this planet, we have to do this. And so this was a major stepping stone, no matter what the result, a huge stepping stone. We were supposed to be crushed tonight, and we weren't, no matter what. We competed on a really real level. We made it way beyond where we're supposed to be. And so keep fighting with me. Um, and we're gonna see this through. Hey guys, uh, Ann Lee here. So we're still watching the, ro the votes roll in, um, but it is not looking likely. Uh, I just wanna say, this has been the most inspiring community I have ever witnessed. We have been outspent 50 to 1 between Proposition 112's opposition campaign and Amendment 74, which was the, the industry's direct attack on 112. And we are looking at the numbers and we are seeing where over 700,000 Coloradans have voted against the industry, have voted against corporate propaganda, have voted for their health and safety, have voted for the future of Colorado and future generations. This is just a stepping stone for this movement. This has been something that has been growing for seven plus years in Colorado, but this Proposition 112 has put us on the map. This has shown the nation that the politicians here in Colorado are not representing the people. Um, and the people of Colorado will stand up and will fight for their communities against a dangerous and toxic uh, industry that is brazen and belligerent and out of control. Yes. I am so, so grateful to every single one of you who have left it all on the court these past six months. We can attribute these close numbers to the fact that all of you have thrown down and given it everything you've got. We've been outspent 50 to one, but with $1 million, we have gotten the word out. We have shown Coloradans what matters to us, and we will continue to fight for our communities. This is not over. We 
the future of our state, the future of our children are on the line. And we will continue to stand up. We will make sure that our elected officials represent the communities of Colorado. As of the time of this recording, over 80% of precincts have reported, with the No campaign riding steadily at about 56%, and the Yes campaign for Proposition 112 trailing behind at about 43%. On the surface of it, it seems like this is a smashing defeat for Proposition 112. Until you think about the money. The amount of money that came into this campaign at the hands of corporations, oil and gas in particular, is astonishing, especially when coupled with Amendment 74 and the money altogether, not including that of dark money. On paper, Proposition 112 was outfunded hand over fist. And so whether or not you think fracking is good or bad, is healthy or is safe for the environment, it does appear that the writing is on the wall for this type of industry. And it does leave one wondering what the next few years will bring. find out more about the show on the show notes page at wildlandsinc.org backslash EOC 166. The show title music is brought to you by The Humidors and other music via the free music archive through Creative Commons licensing. If you like the show, please tell a friend and rate and review the Eyes on Conservation podcast on Apple Podcasts. And check out my other podcast, Majority Villain. I'm Gregory Haddock. It's your world, so own it. Of you, oh, I love the smell of you. Girl, you know what I'm talking about.